Oh, it's so wonderful to see each and every one of you that is sitting in this room. For everyone that's joining us online, on all the platforms, all the beautiful faces uh, right that I see um, in our uh, Zoom rooms. It's so wonderful to see you. I'm so thankful that um, we are seeing the infection rate is dropping and we want to thank all of our medical and professional workers for your ongoing work, uh, unceasing love and commitment. We are so thankful. And very soon we, we're going to see all of our campuses opening and, and all the jails and the prisons and the next step for us is the Father's house to reach. But here we are this morning. And I want to start a conversation with you. As you know, I've been sharing with you that I truly believe more than ever. We're in a season where God wants to reset, reestablish, reaffirm truth to our hearts. And sometimes it's not easy because we have to look at ourselves in the mirror. We have to look at who we've become unintentionally to who God says we are as sons and daughters of God. And I want to speak to you today and continue on the subject of, of love. Because Scripture says in the first book of John, verse 4, verse 17, God is love. And the word that we've discovered is the word agape. It's a, it's a love that, that asks nothing in return. It's a love that's covenantal, given to us by God. He says when we take a permanent residence in God's agape love, we live in God and God lives in us this way. Love has run of the house and becomes at home and mature in us. Then in verse 20, it says this, if anyone boasts, I love God and, God and goes right on hating his brother and sister, thinking nothing of it, that person is a liar. And he says, if we won't love the person, he can see or we can see how can we love the God that we cannot see. The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You have got to do both. So today I want to talk to you about, the best way I can is to um, draw pictures. And by the way, just so you know, I'm a terrible speller and I'm a terrible reader. Uh, it may be called dyslexia, but I like it. Um, so... Let me introduce you to two forces that we see. The, 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 the scientific word for these forces is centrifugal and centrifugal forces. Um, what, what that means simply is that the forces that we see, the one force starts in the middle and it drives everything to the outside. That's a centrifugal force. A centrifugal force takes everything from the outside and brings it to the inside. In other words, the one, uh, the one fragments and the one unites. Why is this so important? Because the culture that Jesus came into had these two forces at work. And when I think about Jesus, um, it is no different what he faced 
to what we are facing and what we have potentially perpetuated and created. Because you see, let me change color and make people blue, little lemmings. In the middle of all of this is a world of people. You and I are in this world. Now, you see, um, Jesus came into this, and, and I want to make sure that we iterate this. God loves everybody. God loves the world. And sometimes I want to say this with a lot of compassion and grace to us. Americans are not at the epicenter of God's love. The world is at this epicenter of God's love. You, we've just got to understand it. Sometimes we come, become so preoccupied that God's agenda with us as Americans is superior to God's agenda to people in Vietnam and Nigeria. And it's not true. God loves the world. Now we see that go in the, in the, in the, in the times of Jesus, there were people, God-fearing people, um, some of them struggling like you and I. They're just human beings. And, and there were groups of people around them and these groups of people had very uh, significant beliefs. Um, there were Pharisees, Sadducees, there were scribes, there were the Sanhedrin, uh, there were rabbis. And, and let, me, let me explain to you, all these people were God-fearing people. Uh, for instance, the Pharisees were a group of people that had a strict observance to the law. So, so they, they did everything in their power to obey every rule that Moses had in the Bible. And, but yet, somehow, in what they think is most important, they had a superior um, display of holiness. And, and they would tell people that, that we are, are the purest form of what it means to be a believer of God. The, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead after they are done. And, and they said they only believe in the, the written form of God's law. So anybody that tells an oral remembrance that was passed from generation to generation. That is not the law of God. And they say, we are the ones that are right. And the scribes were the people that meticulously copied the law of Moses. They did not have printing press. And so the scribes say, we spend every day meticulously rewriting the law of Moses. Therefore, we know it at its best. We understand it at its best. And our group, the scribe group, really knows the truth. And then you get the Sanhedrin. Uh, there were a group of rabbis. The Sanhedrin was 23 to 72 elders, um, um, rabbis, people who studied scripture, and they were there almost like the supreme court of, of belief, and they would sit on issues, and, 
and they would pass out punishment to people who broke the law of God. They would fight heretics. They would fight anybody who makes certain claims. And the, and the Sanhedrin say, said, we are the purest form of what it means to be a God lover. And then you had the rabbis. The rabbis were the teachers of the law. And there are many rabbis. That's why when Jesus came, they called him a rabbi. And the rabbi would teach a certain part and interpretation of what they understood the law of Moses was. And, and, and they would walk around with followers. And what they taught was called the, their yoke. And that's why when Jesus um, was walking around, they called him rabbi, teacher. And Jesus said, my yoke, in other words, what I teach, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Because the other rabbis would teach law and, and behavior and all these things. But what these things did is that it began to create these strange uh, factions um, around people. They, they would all claim purity. They would all claim that they are the rightest. They will all claim, I don't even think that's a word, that they are most right. They would all claim that God loved them the most because their way was the right way. And, and, and you've got to reject others in order to join our faction. And there was a lot of criticism between all these factions and the people on the inside were fragmented because now you've got to pick sides. You've got to decide who is right and who is wrong. And what it created was this fragmented culture of this centrifugal law of, of taking the unity of God's love and throws it into fractions of division of what people need to believe. Now, it's interesting. When you find the evidence of that in Scripture, you see in Luke chapter 18 that a man was praying in the temple. The Bible says he was a Pharisee, which means he was one of these people in these groups. Listen to how he prayed in Luke chapter 18, 22. Come on, let's read it out loud. Those of you joining us online, I want you to type in the, in the text box the, the, the part that you think is the most arrogant in this prayer. Listen to what he is saying. Once inside the temple, the Pharisee stands up and prays, come on, this prayer in honor of, of himself. In other words, he, he wants everybody in the temple to see this is the way you pray. I am right and you are wrong. Listen, he says this, God, how I thank you, come on, that I'm not on the same level as other people, crooks, cheaters, sexually immoral, like the tax collectors over there. In, in other words, what, what this whole thing produces is those who are in and those who are out. And then Jesus answered and he said this. Jesus explained in verse 31, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors, prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Wow. Now you've got to sit tight today because the conversation today is, is meant to confront us in the mirror of our own convictions and our own um, faction of what we believe and what we create a centrifugal force around us. 
where we, we believe we are in and others are out because we hold truth in its purest form. And Jesus says those who divide because they think they are the righteous and the most holy, the chances of them really entering the kingdom of God are so slim. He says the ones that you say is out actually will get in before the in will get in. Now what is so interesting about this whole thing is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, you and I know this scripture off by heart. We've heard it so many times. It, it says this, now these three things remain. Can you tell me those three things? Faith, faith, hope, and love. Now, I can use those three words and put something else next to it. Believe, behave, and then accept. I hope I spelled that right, because in the previous service, I did not. Accept. You say, Pastor Pierre, what, what do you mean by that? Well, you see, when somebody... If I can use the, the analogy of a table. When somebody wants to come and, and be around us and, and be close to us, the question is, what do we think in our faction needs to happen first in order for them to experience our love and acceptance? Because you see, all these factions followed Jesus, and they wanted to catch him in order for him to declare to which faction does he belong. So Jesus was preaching, and the Bible says in the book of uh, Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, um, they said to Jesus, verse 36, Teacher, which is the most important in the law of Moses? In other words, they're trying to say to Jesus, Jesus, um, by answering that question, you will tell us which faction you belong to so that that faction now can say, see, even the one who can do miracles is part of our faction. So we are right and everybody else is almost right. So leave your faction and come to us. But Jesus answered in Matthew 22, verse 36 and 40. And I'm going to invite you online and those who are in the room. Let's read this out loud because what Jesus is answering is staggering, brings discomfort, and it's a disturbing response that should actually shake our inner world the same way it did theirs. Come on, let's read it together. Jesus replied, you must Love, the agape love of God, the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Come on. And the second, equally important. Come on, just shout equally important. Come on, shout equally important. Is that you've got to agape love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying to them, let me tell you the way of God because it is not the way of man. 
It is not what you have created. It's what you are practicing. And what you are practicing right now is asking people to decide which is right and wrong. And you've created factions. What you are saying is, we're going to tell you what is right. And it's going to give you hope. And once you have hope and you do what we do, you'll experience love. In other words, if you believe and you behave, we will accept you as ours. Now you say, how does this work? You see, Jesus was at dinner at Matthew's house. And Bible says, these Pharisees came to Jesus, and Jesus was sitting around a table like this. A table always represents a place of acceptance. If you and I were to walk in a room and a group of people sit around the table, and we stand next to the table, and nobody scoots up, and brings out a chair, it is clear in that moment, they are accepted, I am not. And the question that I can ask is, what do I need to do to become part of you? What is the commonality that will make you say, now there is room for you at the table? Because you see, I think when we look at the church, when we look at the world and we look at this beautiful house, and let me remind you, this house is nothing but a table, a table that, that, that is set for us and a table where we find our place of belonging. And let me just look at this camera and tell you one of the most things that we have got to reset in our minds. Church is not a stop or a drive-through that you go to um, until you don't like it anymore, then you find another one. Have you ever considered that God has prepared a place at the table for you, and this is your family, this is your home, these are your people, and, and, and th this is not the, the right or the wrong group of people. Have you ever considered that other churches all across the world is just another part of the bigger table? But you see what we have created in the midst of this is that we act just like they have acted in the past. We begin to say that we, as the Father's house, has the purest form of teaching. We, we hold theology the purest, and our worship is the best. And, hey, world, you've got to get out of the Baptist church. You've got to get out of the, the, the Presbyterian church because you still use an organ and sing hymns. Oh, shame. You're so stuck. And, and then you preach, and they read the sermons. Oh, dear God, you have no idea. We have a revolution going on and you should leave there and come here and what you are doing is to create this centrifugal force that is fragmenting people by diminishing other places and elevating another and have you ever considered that that is not the way that God sees his church or the world but you see, in the midst of all this fragmentation, there is another fragmentation that I know you have experienced. I, I've experienced it, and in, 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 let me not say where, because then it sounds like an indictment and a criticism. I think, I think unintentionally we've created it even here in some way. And I want you to know when I'm speaking about here, it is not a board meeting that's created it here it's the people at the table that has created it here. It is when we sit around the table and we see someone come in, 
do we open room for them at the table and welcome them? Or do you experience what others have experienced, including I have experienced this, when you walk in a room, they begin to tell you the truth so that you can have faith. They say, if you have faith, your faith will manifest in how you behave. And if you behave and conform to the way we are, there's room for you at the table. Then we will love you. We will accept you. Uh, but but if, if you don't believe like we believe, if you don't behave like we behave, you will never experience acceptance and love like you would be loved if you conform to our belief and conform to our behavior. And, and that moment, that was the philosophy that they worked with. It's, it's you've got to obey and act like we act, pray like we pray, and, and do what we do in order to be accepted. But Jesus says, have you ever considered that the kingdom of God doesn't work this way? Because when you were yet sinners, God loved you unconditionally. He didn't tell you truth and then change your behavior before He loved you. When you and I were yet sinners. His love pursued you. When you were messing up, I was messing up, all jacked up in everything, full of questions and cynicism. God didn't say, until you stop your unbelief, I'm making no room at the table for you. No, no, this is what he said. He says, oh, the, 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 the journey to faith is one of unconditional love. And when you experience unconditional love, it will create a hope in you and you will have an encounter with truth and, and behavior is the last thing on the list because behavior, right, that's spelled right, behavior is not a modification of what you do. It's a result of the Holy Spirit activity in your life. You man cannot tell you how to behave. It is the fruit of the activity of God in your life. Because you see, oh, I don't know how to explain it different. Because when we begin to live at a place where we treat people this way, then literally they have got to act a certain way in order to be loved, fully loved. And if that is it, I want you to say there is a big problem with that. The problem that is so big with that is then it creates a whole environment of hypocrisy because then you act a certain way, but you are not that. You just put on that front in order to feel that you're accepted around this table. And what the world hates about us as they say that the churches creates all these factions and then they sit at their tables and they point to the outsiders, and they tell them why they are outsiders. And I want, you to I want you to know, around God's table, they are no outsiders, because He invites us all in to the very heart of the Father. You, you say, what, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor Pierre? You see, the, the, the strangest thing that we find is that everyone, and I, I'm, I'm going to just do little churches over here. Is that okay? That's my best church over here. Whoops. 
Half a cross is not going to work. Best church over there, best church over there. Isn't it amazing that, that, that one church would say, oh, oh, you have no idea. Um, if you come to us, we, 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 we prophesy and, and, and you see supernatural things. And, and the other churches, oh, you have no idea what we are doing in the world. We give everything away and we're making the world better. And that's the best thing. The other, other church says, oh, we have the purest form of everything. And, and Jesus says, even if you could speak with the tongue of men and angels and know all the mysteries of God, even if you have a revelation of God and you have not love, you have nothing. Even if your worship sounds like the sound of angels when you worship these clouds coming through the building and everybody is crying without love it is just loud clanging of symbols even if you give everything you have away and you give your body to be burned to show how committed you are to Christ and you have not love for people that is everywhere out there. You have nothing because faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So you say, now, now what do we do with that? Let me talk to you about this table. Because you see, this table is an interesting question about this table. And we want to talk about the Father's house as this table. I cannot speak into the Baptist church. I cannot speak in the Presbyterian church. I cannot speak in the church, church up the road, but I can talk about this church. You, you know something is wrong when people call in and say, I am this, does the Father's house accept people like me? What they are saying is, we have seen historically that churches res has reserved the right to say who can sit at the table. Let me ask you a question. Is there a place for Republicans at this table? And all the Republicans shout, Amen. Is there a place for Democrats at this table? Is there a place for divorced people at this table? Is there a place for prostitutes at this table? Is there a place for people who are working out their sexual identity at this table? Is there a place for Antifa at this table? Is there a place for Black Lives Matter at this table? Is there a place for the Communist Party at this table? Because it's not about the agenda, it's about the people. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to invite the prostitute because secretly I'm a pimp. Jesus says, it's not what you do, it's the value of who you are. It's not what you stand for, it's who you are. It's not what you believe in, it's who you are. It's not to say, well, I am very clear what the Bible says about homosexuality. Really? Are you clear what the Bible says about divorce? Are you clear what the Bible says about gossip? Are you clear about the Bible says about judgment? Are you clear about the Bible says about hypocrisy? Because this is not the table of condoning, this is the place is the table of belonging. Now I know some of you are freaking out right now. And I'm so glad you are freaking out. 
because I intend for you to freak out because you know how much it hurts me when we get a call at the office and say, hey, I am gay. Does the Father's house accept gay people? Do you understand how broken that is when somebody says, I'm a human and I am going through this? Does the Father's house accept? You know what they are saying? Do you accept people who are struggling with life, who have failed, people who have lied, cheated, I've been to prison. I have secrets in my life. Is there a place for me at the table? And in that moment, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, and we went through the list and answered. I said halfway through the conversation, the fact that we can even say who belongs at the table shows us how pompous we've become. Because it is not our table. Jesus is at the head of this table. So we've got to say to Jesus, would you sit with a cheater? And Jesus would say, I do my best work around the table with cheaters. Jesus, do you sit with prostitutes? Because Jesus, oh, do you know what they do when it's dark? Jesus would say, I do my best work around the table. Because until they experience the agape love of God, and until there is a church and a table that is open for us all, because you see, the ones who have had the most judgment forgot that they didn't deserve to sit at the table. They too are broken. They too have fractures. They too have secrets. They too are sinners. They too are are falling. There is no perfect people around the table. That's why you don't qualify for the table. The cross and the love of God is what invites you to this table. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So if they sit at our table, do we agree with their sin? Because I've heard this so often. Oh, God loves the sinner. We just hate their sin. I agree, but look in the mirror. Look in the mirror because we want to become the finger of the judgment of God. And you know what Jesus says? Stop looking for the splinter in somebody else's eye when you have half a tree in yours. How about you sit around the table and you stop trying to fix people? How about you, you invite them to the table? Because when there is acceptance, there's hope. And when there's hope, we can bring faith and the Spirit of God at work in them. Listen, there is not a single church that is the end destination of perfection. Do you understand that we are a family where there's room for everybody at the table, no matter their belief, their lifestyle, their sin, their stumbling, no matter what they're going through, no, no, no matter their cynicism, their doubt, their unbelief, this is a table of belonging, and we are all on a journey of faith, Formation and God's best work of changing our lives is the work done by His Holy Spirit, not work done by people with critical spirits that want to put guilt and shame on you so that you act a certain way. Woo, come on now. You say, I'm going to write you a letter. Yep, I know you are. But I don't want you to get angry and walk away. I want you to get angry and stay. 
I want you to get angry around the table. I want you to have questions. I want you to work it out. I want you to go like, today he agitated. I would just beat the heck out of him if I could lay my hands on him. Oh, if, if that's how you feel, then I want you to know that love is not fuzzy. It's confrontational. Love is, 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 if we cannot be misunderstood for our love, listen, the, the, the law of all these people say that Jewish people cannot come near Samaritans because they're worse than dogs. And a man cannot talk to a woman. What did Jesus do? He went out of his way where everybody accepted him and he created a table at a well at Samaria. Samaria. My son said, Dad, are you going to sit or are you not going to sit? I said, Caleb, I'm not going to sit. He says, you try to sit. So let me sit. <laughs> Jesus sat at a well in Samaria. And he created. And he created a table. Here comes a woman. The Pharisees saw her. They would say, Jesus, put on your mask. She's a sinner. She's a Samaritan. She had five freaking husbands. And she's living with one right now. And you know what people do living together. The law of Moses says, Adulterous fornicators must be stoned to death. What did Jesus do? He broke their expectation of judgment because God's love is not a faction. It draws the one on the outside that feels I'm not worthy to the table of love. Because God does his best work when we love unconditionally and trust the work of his spirit. He said, but Pastor P, did he condone her sin? Acceptance has got nothing to do with condoning. But I want you to know that we have chased more people away by making our judgment over them before we accept them. I want you to know that if you are ever going to raise children and you say the only time you can sit around the family table is when you act like I want you to act and obey like I want you to obey and you are respectful and you have no secrets and you, you don't have this, this, this shadow life. That's the only time you can sit at my table. Your kids will have to leave your table at age three. Fathers and mothers, how many times do you know your, your kids are saying, I hate you. They steal from you. They lie to you. But every night, you set the table for them. Every night, you invite them in. Every night, no matter what they've done, there's room at the table. Why? Because they are bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. And you know to love them unconditionally.
and to speak truth into their heart that's not judgment and to be patient with their journey they're not going to turn out as axe murderers somewhere grace is going to intercept them somewhere love is going to overtake them and father's house i want you to know as i'm standing here in this moment love is more important than the declaration of truth love is the most magnificent manifestation of truth for god so loved the world because the tables we create are conditional tables what is so hurtful for me in this season as a pastor is how the political climate causes people to stand up from the table and walk in the other way because you don't look like a republican don't you know that trump is part of the triune god can't you see it and the person over here say don't you understand the pain that this is creating the people go on facebook and brother is fighting brother over earthly kingdoms not understanding when we sit at the table we are not of equal opinion but we are family whatever you believe about the politics go ahead even if you have conspiracy theories go ahead but let it not become your faith let it not drive your behavior what drives our behavior is look what manner of love the father has that we are called sons and daughters of the most high god because long after all of this is shuffling away and it's more agendas and more things and more disappointments can i tell you there is a world out there right now that is asking the question is there room for me at the table Can you love me even if you don't understand me? My life is different than yours. Can I sit at the table? This is not the table of agreement. This is the table of acceptance. Because those who don't want to make room at the table has forgotten that someone made room for you at the table. You did not deserve a place at Jesus's table. I did not deserve a place at Jesus's table. Why should you and I ever think that we should cause people to deserve their place at the table? So emphatically, I want to say to you and I I hope this stirs you everyone no matter of their orientation their belief their background their struggle their questions what they have done their secrets whatever it is there is not a single person that doesn't have a place of honor at the table with Jesus at the head because i guarantee you he does his best work at the table when we love each other like he has loved 
us. We don't love us because I agree with you. I love you because you are made in the image and the likeness of the living God. And the grace that I need is the grace that I give. It's the grace that says no matter where you are in your journey, we are all traveling together on this road. Truth will speak. Conversations will happen but not conversations with pointing fingers. Because Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, Sanhedrin, all of them failed. Because Jesus came and He says, more than your laws and factions, the greatest of these is love. The love of God. So as we're sitting in this place, my question to you is this, what if when we stand before God one day, He's not going to measure our obedience and good works? What if He's going to measure our love? Because love is something That is so easy to emulate, but the agape love of God is a courageous love that sets aside personal agendas and conviction and humbly move people from the outside in, willing to risk future pain in our own souls in order to be an aroma of life to people. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask if anybody has some very expensive perfume in this house. Anybody? Oh, that's a real question. Anybody? Those who are online, just stay with me. Any lady in here that says, hey, I've got some experience, I will repay you, I promise you. Anyone carrying perfume, um, just raise your hand and I just want to bar bar borrow your bottle of perfume just for a second somebody is we're going to get it okay not so expensive perfume then JC Penny will do at this moment oh there we go somebody's got can we just thank her for her perfumer in this moment <laughs> Bible says everywhere we go people breathe in the exquisite fragrance because of Christ we give off a sweet scent rising to God now, what is so interesting about smell, now you understand why she ran and I had to catch her second serve, first service. I'm going to ask that Courtney just walk among you. If you didn't see what I just did, you wouldn't expect anything until you smell it. Sing Jesus loves them. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Just walk past the rose, Courtney. They are weak, but he is strong. Come on, sing with me. Yes, Jesus loves 
them, not me, them. Yes, Jesus loves them. Yes, Jesus loves them. The Bible tells Thank you, Courtney. Now, it's amazing how quickly we're going to see Jesus loves me. That's not what the world is asking. They know the church and believers think that Jesus loves them. But the Bible says we are the fragrance of God's love wherever we go. When we meet someone that's not like us, what are they smelling? When we meet somebody that asks questions, that just jars your faith, what are they smelling? When you meet somebody that's want to be an agitator to your life, what are they smelling? When you meet that obnoxious neighbor that is for the millionth time talking about the fence and you cut the wrong side of the fence, what are they smelling? When somebody walks into this church and they meet you, what are they smelling? Because Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you would love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. When they come close to you, your arms are open, your heart's full with love, because you know it will lead to hope, it will lead to faith, and God will work out the behavior that is a sign of a changed life. I can't wait to talk to you next week about what happened at the tables where the faction said, Jesus, you should not be sitting with these people. Say yes, Jesus loves me. Say yes, Jesus loves me. Say yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells so. Me, let me look in this camera right now. I want to say to every single person hearing my voice online in this room that has ever felt the sting of judgment, rejection, cold religious shoulders. From this house, I want to ask your forgiveness. If ever you thought that you've got to fit a certain mold before you're accepted, I want to ask your forgiveness. If you ever thought that your brokenness is too broken for you ever to have a place at the table, I want to ask your forgiveness. If you're someone that is working out your sexual identity and you ever thought you've got a call to find a place of safety at the Father's house, I want to ask your forgiveness. 
Have you ever a person that wondered, am I safe because I am not of the same race or culture as the people? I don't know if they're going to accept me of equal value. I want to ask your forgiveness and say to you that we are committed to be a table of loving people that are incomplete, sitting around the truth of God, stirring up hope, working out our salvation through spiritual formation, loving each other as we are incomplete and declaring He began a good work in us, is able to bring it to full completion. If you've ever failed and you felt there's a cold hand pushing at you, I wanna ask your forgiveness because the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring change. Our work is to love one another. May we, as a people, come back to the place of Jesus' table. For those of you who are going to walk out and go like, oh God, if you only knew, if you only knew what's behind my curtain, there's room for you at the table. There's love for you at the table. Call your friends. Call the ones who are broken because we are broken. Call the ones who stumble because we stumble. And the one who is at the head say, my grace is more than enough. And the work that I start, I will complete that work. This is the beginning of the story. I beg you come back next week. I beg you, don't let the anger and the agitation that you may feel right now push you away from the table. Come back with your questions and agitations because it's never a one conversation. But my desire is that what God wants to restore reflects the force that brings everyone from the outside to the inside because love compels them in a community that does not judge but pulls up chairs because God does his best work at the table so right now Father I pray for the kind confrontational truth of heaven search our hearts let us smell what others smell in our presence. And we ask that you would put the fragrance of God's love on us like never before. And you silence the voice that wants to measure us in order to be loved. Because that's not how you Say yes, Jesus loves them. Oh yes, Jesus loves them.
What an incredible message. Can we just put our hands together for Pastor Pierre? Such a timely message for the season we find ourselves in. And let us be a church. Let us be a family. Let us be a table of agape love wherever we find ourselves. That the fragrance of agape love would not leave us, but we would carry it into everywhere we go. Hey, for those online, those in the room, if you find yourself in need of prayer this afternoon, uh, in the room we have prayer teams on the side wall and online you can post it in the chat or request prayer. We have online chat hosts that would love to pray for you. Um, don't go until you leave prayed up. We love you, church family. We're excited for next week's message as we continue with the table conversation on how to be human. Hey, for those in the room online, this is nothing new for you, uh, but we're going to get ready for our behind the message segment. Uh, for those in the room, you do not have to stick around, but if you want to hear Pastor Luke, Carrie, and Josh talk about the message, feel free to stick around, um, but you can also take off. Stay warm. We'll see you next weekend, family. Let's go to behind Behind the message. Father's house, what a Sunday that was. Hey, I'm here with was. my friend Luke, my other friend Carrie. Hello, it's friend. great to see you guys. Thanks for being Hello, here. Hello, friends. What a service that was. That's a memorable one. That was incredible. I think I've been here a long time, Josh. Yeah. That's probably top five messages from Pastor Pierre. Yeah, easily. I, easily. Love, so I love first service when uh, Courtney, a.k.a. Adriana, didn't know that that was going to happen. Yes. And just got doused with Her expression, uh, she was really trying to hold it together, yes. but we know her well enough sh to know she was <laughs> just freaking out itself. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Did she go home in between services? No. I don't think so. Same sweater. Wow, man. So it's probably a mix of scents now. I'll have to burn very, that one. Very cheap perfume on Sorry, the, first, the first round. Not sure what the second But it was round called was. Amazing Grace. You know, yeah. how there more you perfect so. could it have been? Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Well, hey, this was a good Sunday. Oh. So I know you, you, you got questions for us, but I thought of a question while yeah. I was in there. What is your guys' favorite appetizer when watching football? Wing dip. Done. Wow. Yeah, chicken wings. Done. Oh, okay. Wow. I guess it wasn't as yours, good of a Carrie? question. What's yours? Oh, chips and dip for sure. What uh, kind of dip? French onion. Okay. 100%. Right. Very good. I thought you were going to say like beetroot or something. Beet I love root? beetroot. I don't know, something earthy. No, but I'll tell you what, Aaron and Kelly Johnson, if you are watching, I did make a fantastic sweet potato with goat cheese and cranberry and a pecan on top. What? One okay. time. It was a great appetizer. I can promise you they are watching. At least Aaron is watching because he's know. one of our online hosts today. I know. Very I saw him. That's exciting. Yeah, I asked that. I'm Josh, what are you cool. making for the game? Uh, chicken wings. Lots of them. Lots yep. of chicken wings. Same. Yeah. I'm smoking my wings. Yeah. I'm going to grill them on my new grill, which uh, I'm really excited grill. about. So, Do you yeah. guys have Legendary. particular sauce? Yeah. Buffalo sauce. Okay. <laughs> Duh. You know, I can't help but feel every question you just felt like is ridiculous. Coming, coming no, it's away. fine, Carrie. It's fine. <laughs> uh, by the way, people, it is a big day for a Buffalo Bills fan. It's We're true. back, people. Um, it's been a while. It's been. In, in fact, I can tell you exactly right how long it's Go been. Go Bills. The last time. Go Bills. The Bills. Yes. As you know, people, we are alive and in person. There they are, Bills. Yeah. yeah. Let's Bills, Buffalo. Bills by a billion, I think is what they're saying these days. Uh, but in 1994 was the last time the Buffalo Bills were in this situation. I was a small boy. 94, you were a very small boy. I was even smaller, in fact. I was uh, four Six. plus three. I was 13, I was seven. so I wasn't that small. 13, but yeah, that's, wow. Josh is what, so what jealous. What else did you want to say I that was you held seven. Back? I was seven. Uh, you were you almost were in high boy. school. I was just starting. I was in that awkward phase. Yeah, I never had one of those. Um, but in 1994, <laughs> I can tell one. you... <laughs> 
uh, that uh, last time the Bills were in this situation, uh, Seinfeld was the number one rated show on Such television. A great wow. show. That inspired great you show. to be a comedian. Yeah, it's a great show. I did love it really? Jerry. Yeah, of course it did. Oh my gosh, I didn't yeah, realize. Wow. Definitely. Uh, the other show that started in 94, the last time the Bills were any good, uh, was the show Friends, which isn't any good. Uh, so. Yeah, what? what? It's, hmm? Did you say it's not good? Pardon? Oh, it's a stupid show. I think you stuttered. It's a bad show. I think something's happening. It's a bad show. Wow. The, one going. of the number one movies America of 94, the last time the Bills were good, was Forrest Gump. Which is interesting. Lion King what also came out that year. This was the most mind-blowing thing. Okay. In 1994, there was only 10,000 websites. That's how young the, you the World Wide Web was. Did you find out how many are now? It, the answer is billions. Come on. Infinite. Billions? Billions of websites. Billions. I guarantee you there's billions 10, of websites. websites. 10,000 to billions. And 94 is the year that Amazon started. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. So And Yahoo, but who cares about Yahoo, Times to be changed. honest with you? Uh, and then lastly, wow. there were 61 million pagers in use the last time the Bills were any good at the game of football. Love pagers. Josh, I want you to imagine 13-year-old middle school Luke with a pager. I. You had a pager in middle of school? Of course I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, amazing. Anyway, it's going to be a great Sunday. Uh, it, hopefully, you enjoy the game. We do want the Bills to lose. I mean, I'm not a Bills fan. What, what are I'm, you I, saying? I, I meant win. I'm Get not a Bills fan. No, no, no. It's because he's a Miami fan, Something people. Is so happening. go ahead. Put no. it in the chat. I would be happy with the Bills winning. You're uh, well. So in Western New York. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what happened. But anyway, guys, it's, it was a great Sunday. We want to thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Uh, make sure yes. you register and RSVP for the five days of prayer. Now, I know the Bills have actually been praying, the Bills fans, for about 25 years for this moment. Yeah, we've moment. been praying for a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you can actually engage with the church community for the next five days. Go to tfhny.org slash prayer to RSVP. We are almost at the 500 mark of uh, subscribers awesome. to this journey. We will be live on Instagram tomorrow night at 8 p.m. with Pastor Pierre. Uh, you'll receive an email first thing in the morning with the teaching video for the day, and that will happen every day, Monday through Friday. It's going to be phenomenal. So we want to thank you for joining us today. Hit subscribe on the YouTube page, and we will see you next week right here. Thanks, church. Bye.